Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights, another video episode. We made a bit of a Horlicks of it last time, but it actually went pretty well when we had a look at our England squad for the Euros. That's now changed a bit and we've got more of that coming up in the next couple of weeks. Anyway, we're focusing today on the Premier League team of the season. My name is Tom Murray. My name's Callum Wilson and this is Under the Lights. And what we're going to do is go through our Premier League team of the season, starting eleven, as Tom says, um, we're basing it not just on the Premier League, teams that are in the play Premier League, of course, players that are in the Premier League, but uh, we wanted to base it on all of the games played this season. So in to include those cup competitions, uh, the European games, and uh, we, we look at a combination of things. You know, It's not just about statistics, it's about the players that we think have, have had a real impact uh, individually, but also on their teams. So there might be someone who's maybe got some numbers, but their teams had a really disappointing season. Um, and and a nod to some of those lesser teams that have overachieved. You know, we, we, we don't want to be going with the Man City uh, 11, although that'd probably be a video in itself trying to figure out who, who would be their best 11. I'm not sure even Pep knows. So, um, yeah, take us through the format a bit, Tom, and then, um, then we can get straight into it. Yes. Yeah, so basically what we're going to do is we're going, we have a list of five for each position until we get to the attacking positions and then it all gets a bit uh, convoluted but we'll explain more on that later basically there's a big list for that one there's a lot of positions to fill so for though for basically five um five choices for each position and then uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have a little chat about who we think should make it who we've got in our particular team and their and what impact they've had and then we've got uh, basically a little template so we're then once we've decided on who we want we're going to pop them into the team and i will show you exactly what I mean by that. So here we have our little template, uh, which is just called Create Formation. And they have every single player under the sun that you could think of. Probably even goes down to Sunday League. But uh, basically, once we've figured out who we're going to pop in in each position, we they will appear there. But to start off with, to start off with, Callum, of course, we have got our trusty excel spreadsheet and the goalkeepers are already there callum yeah show us the nominees tom the nominees so we've, we've yeah. got um yeah so we, we've whittled it down to five um briefly there might be more people on here uh that should be on here in your opinion that have just missed out but uh yeah we, we feel that really the best goalkeeper for the start for the 11 for the premier league um should be amongst these five so we've got um, Edison, who obviously Man City goalkeeper, maybe has less to do than a lot of these players, but he's already won the Premier League. They're in the Champions League final. Uh, he, he obviously won the, the Carabao Cup. Uh, Mendy, who, who's excelled really since the change of manager, but first season in the Premier League, uh, he's made a big difference, obviously coming in for Kepa. Emi Martinez, another player who's uh, was transferred in the summer to Aston Villa. Uh, most saves, I believe, in the league, um, along with uh, Melier, who it's his first season, haven't been promoted, uh, a lead haven't been promoted. Melier has, has been a really good, solid goalkeeper, I feel. I think he's improved as he's gone on and he's so young. And then, of course, uh, FA Cup winner and captain Kasper Schmeichel. So uh, where do you want to start, Tom, with these? Ooh, that's a really tricky one. I want to start with, uh, sort of the, I think he's, uh, almost the oldest one on the list in Martinez because 
he's he was very much second string at Arsenal. Only came in at the end of last season because of that injury to Bernd Leno. And he played really well for them, played well in the FA Cup final. And then he got that move, permanent move to Aston Villa. And in the first half of the season, absolutely terrific. Aston Villa had the most clean sheets out of out of anybody. And he was he sort of was that keeper that they've been that they've been looking for. And Aston Villa's defense was much, much better for it. So in terms of individual impact on the team, he made a huge one at Aston Villa. Uh, tailed off a bit for the second half of the season, I think. But then again, Aston Villa have as a whole, really, and they've been a bit um, bit loose in that defence. But I think he is a, he's been a terrific signing for them. Yeah, I think he has. I think he's made a, a huge difference. I think a number of signings made um, by Aston Villa. And, and he's certainly been one of the busier goalkeepers um, in the league. He's got 15 clean sheets, only bettered by Edison and Mendy, those two above him on that list. Uh, this is no particular order, obviously, but yeah, Martinez, I think, for, for Aston Villa to keep 15 clean sheets after, you remember how poor Aston Villa were defensively the season before. Uh, they, I think they had, between sort of them, Norwich, maybe a couple of others, one of the worst and one of the most leakiest defences in the... Um, in, in the league, but they obviously got the likes of Matt Cash in as well and uh, and others, and, and Martinez has been a huge difference. They didn't really have a, a number one. They were kind of flicking between different uh, different goalkeepers. He's made a huge difference. Um, and in terms of saves, he's right up there with the most saves made in the Premier League as well. So it just shows what a direct effect he's had. Uh, Melier is an interesting one. He, he's He's been very busy as well, as you'd expect from a Leeds goalkeeper but once again um, they haven't conceded a massive amount of goals but they would have if the goalkeeper hadn't made so many saves he's kind of almost like a, a bit of a Nick Pope from last season the fact that he makes so many saves and he makes good saves as well and and, and he's so young I feel like they've got a, a real goalkeeper for um for the long-term Leeds yeah, he's only about 19, 20 years old. Incredible amount of potential. Made some really fantastic saves. Um, some of them, albeit, have been um, sort of making up for his own mistakes. He has been culpable to a few errors this season, as has every goalkeeper, and especially when you're young and inexperienced, and especially in a lead side where the, the, the way that they play is very gung-ho. He is going to receive a lot of shots incoming, but he's obviously on the list on our list for a reason. He's played terrifically well. I'm excited to see how he does in the future and see how long Leeds can keep hold of him, especially, you know, he's only 20 years old. There's so much potential there. So much potential. But a lot of the goalkeepers on this list are incredibly young. And I want to look at um, Mendy at Chelsea. He's he's a bit of a favourite for me in terms of who should be in the, uh, the team of the season because we're talking about key players who have made individual impact on their team. Chelsea were leaking goals left, right and centre with uh, with Kepa in goal. A lot of really bad errors, lots of bad mistakes. And Mendy has been an incredible safe pair of hands. And especially under Tuchel, they've hardly conceded any goals. And when they do, it's been a bit of a, a, bit of a surprise. Um, and I think Mendy has been one of the reasons uh, behind that. Again, a very young goalkeeper. He's got a significant amount of potential going forward. Yeah, well, he's... Mendy... Mendy's playing as part of a team that's really well structured under Tuchel. Um, and out of those five, he's made the least saves, but he's only behind Edison for clean sheets. So I feel for me as a unit, Chelsea are really, really good defensively. And he's part of that. 
But in terms of individual goalkeepers and how good they've been between the sticks, and and you know, it's not all about saves, but let's be honest, that's the main thing. Um, Melier is, is the highest. Actually, Sam Johnson's the only one who's got more than him this season and peppered uh, in the sticks. And then um, in, in Melier's in second with Ramsdale third and then and then Martinez in fourth. So those two have got the highest save percentage um, and the highest amount of saves. Mendy has obviously been a big part of, of them getting to the Champions League final as well, which also takes us on to Edison. Um, for me, Edison... It's, it's harsh, really, because Edison probably is the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, in my opinion. But he gets a little bit overlooked because the team is so good that he doesn't really have that much to deal with. You know, distribution, there's no one better than him. Um, you could argue the same for Alisson, you know, last season, last couple of seasons, probably the best in the league. But actually, in terms of saves, didn't really have that much to do. Edison doesn't really make cock-ups, which is a really good sign for a goalkeeper that doesn't get that involved in the play. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I was surprised you said Mendy. I thought Martinez would be the the favourite. I think he'll get in a lot of teams of the year this season. But I'm I'm uh, edging towards uh, the man we've not discussed yet, and that's um, Kasper Schmeichel. As uh, I, I feel like it's a little bit of a rogue, um, kind of a, a rogue shout. But I just think in terms of the impact that he has on that Leicester side. He's, he's the captain. Not many goalkeepers are captains, but he's a real personality and he has a real impact on the whole team and the defence in front of him. He's just led them to, to winning the first ever FA Cup. And as it stands, they're, they're in the top four and p- potentially could, could make their way into qualifying for the Champions League, which again for Leicester is, is a huge deal. So on that basis... Um, you know, I know Martinez has improved Aston Villa immensely and made a lot of saves. Melier has made a lot of saves as well for a young goalkeeper in a debut season. The other two have have got to Champions League finals and, and kept a lot of clean sheets. But for me, Schmeichel has had the biggest all-round impact um, as, as a captain, as someone who's been there for a while and in a really successful Leicester season. So he would be my shout, but this isn't one of the ones that I'm I'm most adamant about. So... Are you saying Mendy's your favourite? And and if so, well, yeah, what's your top three? Well, I think Mendy Mendy was my favourite because I think in terms of the errors that Chelsea were making collectively at the back at the start of the season under Kepa and a bit before last season, he's made a real change to their side. Um, but I I like I like what you said about it. The Chelsea defend very well as a collective, so maybe it, it, it's all of the parts together, um, and maybe. On that basis, Mendy is not the goalkeeper of the season. For the romance, a lot of it's about the manager as well. Yeah, a lot of it's about Tuchel. Yeah, for the romance of it, I'd give Schmeichel um, player of the season just for that save from Mason Mount right at the end of the FA Cup final. To be honest, player of the season. Oh goodness me. Oh no no That's keeper of keeper of, keep, no sorry keeper of the season sorry Casper uh, I've my slip of the tongue there but yeah I give him keeper of the season just for the save from Mount at the end I thought that was in and he's made a terrific save um, yeah and that's the, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about as well those those instances when it matters um, certain characters certain goalkeepers mm. stand up and and not too dissimilar to his dad uh, which I'm sure you know, constantly gets mentioned but yeah those big saves not mm. every goalkeeper is going to make those big saves and if you do penetrate that defence. I feel like with Schmeichel, 
there's there's like an extra line of defence. Whereas sometimes with goalkeepers, you don't feel that. You feel if you can get past them one on one, then you know, there's likely to be a goal. Martinez falls into that bracket as well. But I'm happy to go with Schmeichel. What we also want to do, and we've discussed, is is give a nod, like we've said, to to some teams. So Leicester have had a really good season. And it would be a shame if we got through this whole 11 and there wasn't a representative for Leicester. So to put in an Edison or a Mendy when I don't feel they particularly deserve it ahead of someone like Schmeichel or Martinez, um, I'd, I'd be happy to go with, uh, with the, the big Dane. <laughs> so I think that means we're going to put Schmeichel in as our first player in the 11. So let's just head on over to our template. This is the this is the embarrassing moment where after checking it, they don't have well, if, especially when I'm going to put it's not left, left back. back. That's for yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> oh my days! See, great, oh, great, great start. Right. This is when they actually don't. Oh, we can choose his dad as well. There we go, Casper Schmeichel, <laughs> first one on the team. She let us go back. So we've we've spoke. We've chosen Schmeichel. I think the next position is right back and indeed it is so interesting one <clears throat> this is a real, real interesting one this. yeah there are so many good right backs in the in the league there are so many good english right backs that we've got to choose from for for the euros but this is not about the euros we'll we'll talk about that later um i don't really know where to start with that lot um, <coughs> in terms of in terms of a very um a person that we didn't yeah. think would have the impact that he has um kufal or Soufal, has been terrific for West Ham. I remember he was, the club were mocked when they signed him and they were thinking, wow, who on earth have you got there? It was a, it was a really low transfer fee. It might even have even been free, a free transfer. Either way, the fans were not impressed and he's actually now turned into a bit of a Hammers favourite. Yeah, yeah. It was just, just five million, I believe, from um, from the Czech Republic. I mean, him and Suchek both came in, didn't they? But Soufal is, he's kind of a bit of a throwback. He's, he's a, uh, is an old school, almost like nineties right back. You know, he's, he's maybe not the the quickest, the tallest, the most skillful, but um, gives you absolutely everything. is uh, is a real battler. Uh, you wouldn't want to come up against him in a fifty fifty, I don't think. And he does have quality in, in his delivery as well. He's got a few assists this season, so um, I think he's right up there with one of the favourites. Um, I think. He's probably up there as one of the signings of the season for the price tag as well. But we'll come on to that later. Um, are there any on that list that you would dismiss? You know, if we're, going to, if we're going to talk about realistically who is the best right back this season, are there maybe one or two on that list that, that you personally would not uh, consider? Um, when I look at what he's contributed relative to the other players on that list as much as i think he's a very good signing a very good right back compared to the what the other players have achieved this season i think walker peters can probably be struck off if i'm being completely honest yeah i, I agree I, I think unfortunately he does get overlooked a lot and i know he's a massive favorite with saints fans because when you get to see him every week you see how good he is um i feel like if anyone other than southampton fans did this podcast, Carl Walker-Peters wouldn't be on there. And he's probably in line with the likes of Luke Ayling and, and Matty Cash and maybe a couple of others um, on that level, just just outside of 
England call up because there are so many good English right backs. So I'd agree with you on that. Um, I think Walker's unlucky, but I think Cancelo has just about had the better season than Walker. And we're not going to put them both in there. We're trying to limit it where we can um, to just one one player from each club. <coughs> Sorry. And Cancelo's had a real breakthrough season for me. He's been he's been excellent. Shows he can play right back as well. Um, and for a long part of the season, he he was playing pretty much every game until Pep Roulette came in and and started rotating everyone every Tom Dick and Harry. So I think he's definitely a contender with Soufal. And a, a, another contender for me. Um, is Stuart Dallas. But tell us what you think about Cancelo first and then we'll go on to Dallas and then and then finish off with Rich James, shall we? Well, obviously, Cancelo has been a part of a ridiculously good Manchester City defence. Um, he's been part of a ridiculously good Manchester City team. Very, very good player. Uh, he has a ridiculous amount of pace going forward. And also, he's quite adaptable. Pepper's played him on the left. He's played him on the right as well. Uh, I think he's had a very good season. Um, but whether he stands out for me in that list is a different matter because having spoke, I spoke to you about, uh, we had a little chat about this earlier on today and I didn't realize just how good Dallas had been. Tell us, tell us about him, Callum. Oh, well, I mean, he played, he, we say Cancelo's done well to play left back and right back. I mean, Dallas has played just about every single formation that uh, Bielsa has asked of him. And he doesn't disappoint. I think he's first choice in, in about five positions for, for Leeds. We've gone with right back, um, mainly because I wanted, uh, he, he's my vote for this position. And I'm not sure he would quite get the cut on the other side at left back or in midfield. And I wanted to get Stuart Dallas into this team because um, his stats are absolutely ridiculous. Like I said, he's got. Eight goals this season, which is phenomenal. Uh, from I, I think I saw something like he—that's the most goals from a defender in the Premier League since 2008, where believe it or not, Julian Lescott at Everton was um, was the guy. But he, yeah, he he's contributed so much going forward. But he's also reliable defensively. Uh, eight goals, three assists. You know, they have had clean sheets as well. They've managed to get 12 of those this season. Um, and, you know, he, he's he's a product of the Football League. So it's his first season in the Premier League. I, th I think he's been outstanding. Um, not sure. Like you said earlier, you weren't too sure about Dallas even being a nomination until you'd heard those those numbers. And the stats do come into it. But also, you, you know, you see him play and he's involved. He's played centre midfield as well. He, he has been... Um, quite incredible this season. But he'd be up there with many votes, um, many players, I mean, for, for Leeds United's player of the season. I'd be interested to know who got that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the, the, the more I hear about him, the more uh, I'm swinging towards him being being in, in our team. Um, I know we've got one more player on the list. We've got Reese James there, who, again, really good player for Chelsea, but again, part of a collectively good defensive side. And whether he stands out as an individual for me, I'm not sure, but he's definitely a very good component of a very good team. In terms of who, as we've said, I think Dallas would pip it for me for his individual contribution to Leeds. As you say, eight goals yeah. from right back. That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, defenders need to defend as well. And I, I, I'd, I'd argue that 
all of the players on this list can do it. And 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 Sufal in that direction has probably been one of the best. Um, Rhys James, along with Cancelo, I think I rule them out based on the fact that they, they haven't played consistently every game. So Cancelo had a good run, but then he's played left back, right back. He's probably played more games because he can do that. But Walker's in the team as well. Same with James and Aspilicueta and, and um, Hudson-Odoi to a point as well when, when they went to three at the back. So I'd rule out those first three and um, it would come down to uh, Dallas and Soufal. And I'd say, yeah, based on those numbers, um, Dallas would just just pip it for me. And uh, I, I do feel that lead side does need a, a representative in this eleven. It certainly does. And I'm going to go straight over to our template and we are going to whack Stuart Dallas straight in there. This is when it doesn't happen. There we go. Look at that. Left by left back, centre mid, right back. And then there's there the you go. It says it all, doesn't it? Exactly. Right. We've got two players in our team so far. And obviously there was a little Cambridge United striker trying to wiggle his way into our team. In it right back. I like that team as it is at the moment. That's my kind of team that is. Someone from Leicester. Someone yeah. from Leeds. None of the big guns yet, but I feel like, I mean, I feel like that's about to change. Yeah, because now we have to choose two of our from our five centre backs. Um, for me, one player I think is already there. If I'm being completely honest, and I'm, I won't be argued against it, but I think that the impact that Ruben Diaz has had on Manchester City has been incredible. I think he's. I know people say, oh, he's done really well to come into a, a defence that's already cost millions and millions. But individually, I think he's been, he's been, he's been fantastic. Not quite to Van Dyke levels, um, but uh, he, he's got such a good partnership with John Stones, and there is a he's a huge part of the reason that Man City went on that ridiculous winning run with hardly conceding any goals. Yeah, I mean, we, we should we just put him in now? There's yeah. no, there isn't a, a person. Um, who watches Premier League, who disagree with Diaz is is the number one choice at centre-back. There we go. There might be a few Diaz. Right, Ruben Diaz straight in. There goes our um, non-Super non League uh, 11. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the um, rest. We said, we said how we didn't... We wanted to try and uh, keep it... Keep it well, we wanted to say one player from each club in terms of these nominations, but we've that centre-back, Leicester and, and um, Man City had two players that, that really stood out. Um, John Stones has been a really capable um, kind of partner in crime for Diaz. Uh, the fact that the Port was their best defender last season, nailed on to be a starter and he's barely got a game. Yeah, he um, changed his since, nationality as well. <laughs> yeah, and since Stones came in, he, he come way, he come in part way through the season. But when he did come in, the run of clean sheets that Man City were getting, uh, because they did start the season really badly. You know, they won it at Canter, but they started the season really badly. Uh, they were down in, in the kind of fifth, sixth place. But what, what City needed to do to wrestle the title away from Liverpool wasn't score more goals because they were always the top scorers. But they needed to... to, to, uh, to really tighten up at the back and Diaz came in and him and Stones have been immense and it's it's just what we as England fans needed because we had Maguire and A another and no one was kind of raising their hand to uh, to go in at centre-back and, and 
you know, maybe two two extra centre backs to go with him. So to have um, to have Stones in such a in such a good defensive team. I know we said it about Chelsea, but with Man City, I mean their record of clean sheets in a row was was astonishing at one point. Um, he has to be in contention, and then we've got two lads from Leicester. We do. In fact, we've got um, three lads from from Leicester. <laughs> if you look in a way, it, in a way, yeah. Um, I think what, I think Wesley Fofana has been a terrific signing for Leicester, and he's again. In, a young player, ridiculous amount of potential, um, arguably one of the signings of the season. He looks so comfortable on the ball. It, it's, it's, a weird, it's, a, it's a weird one for me because I think if we're going to have a team of the season defensively, I almost want to put John Stones next to Diaz because as a partnership, they've been phenomenal. Um, but if we want to try and maybe have someone a bit different, I think Evans, it's like for Farner and Evans, which of those two would you put into the side? Which of them has impressed you? And then I've put Maguire because I, his stats for this season have also been very good. And let's not forget Manchester United are second in the Premier League. And he's part of that defence that gets them there. Um, obviously, he's always going to be judged for that £80 million pound price tag uh, transfer fee. Um but I, don't, I do think he has been very good this season. So I'm actually really struggling to pick one of those four. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, Maguire, uh, Maguire is, is immense for Man United and you don't really realise it until he's out of the team. Until he got injured a couple of games ago, he played every single minute. Uh, one of only a handful of players to, to be doing that. And Man United have had a really good season. They're, they're in the Europa League final. They're comfortably second in the league. Um, and for a while, we're pushing Man City. Um, so, so they have improved this season, definitely. And, and he's the captain. Defensively, they've improved as well. He's been involved in 13 clean sheets. Um, not many have achieved more than that. And then, and then you've got Evans and Fafana. And I, I'd find it difficult to choose between these two because for different reasons. Ev Evans is, is just a stalwart. He's, he's classy. Um, he doesn't make mistakes, he's a leader and he's kind of one of those unsung heroes whereas Fafana is the guy who's come in really young a lot of noise made about him when he first came in first brought in at Leicester, massive signing um, and and he hasn't disappointed he, you know, he, he's, been, he's been pretty epic in that back line um, and Sorinchu's been good as well you know, they've gone to three at the back for that, you know, I think for that reason sometimes they, they didn't know who to drop so the only thing for me is I don't think Leicester have been good enough defensively as a unit in terms of getting the clean sheets, protecting their goalkeeper as other teams have. So for me, it's between Stones and Maguire. And yeah. I mean, when you mentioned Stones next to Diaz, I, I wouldn't have an issue with that because I think defensively they have been so, so good, Man City as a unit. Um, but then Maguire perhaps is more important to his team, mm. as we saw against Liverpool. You know, Maguire Maguire was out, and they conceded four at home to Liverpool. So uh, I, I I'm kind of torn between them, but I'm I'm happy to go with your judgment on on this. I'll, I'll let you take I'll... take charge and <laughs> the call. 
a very a very a very dangerous decision um right where's yannick vestergaard okay uh, um no i like i like what you say about Maguire in terms of the individuality he brings to the team that's a really um you know that's really important as as was shown when he wasn't in the side and they concede four against liverpool uh i think i want to stick with john stones because i just think that partnership collectively has been really good and i think it's hard to argue against Man City defenders going in the Premier League yeah. the season just although to, um, although he uh, although he hasn't played the minutes that Maguire has and hasn't played mm. the full season the difference from when he did come in mm. alongside Diaz that that's a partnership as well which which helps a centre back so yeah let's go with Stones and Diaz I think that's fair I think that's essentially that's the reason they've ended up winning it you know, Liverpool haven't had a defence there seems and to be Man City's defence. <laughs> and Man City's defence is hugely um, improved. There we go. Yeah, didn't didn't come up when you typed in the Barnsley. No, it didn't. For anyone who's listening to the to the podcast, um, yeah. So let's let, let's go with that then. And a couple of honourable mentions as well. Lewis Dunk is someone who. Yep. You always hear Dunk and Tarkovsky like they're kind of joined at the hip. Mm. Burnley and Brighton that they're both um, they're always in with a shout. But Dunk has had another really good season. Um, and Brighton, you go on, you hear a lot about XG and how if, if they'd scored the goals that they were supposed to from their chances and if they the shots that had gone in on goal, yeah, they, partly down to Matt Ryan, I think, it's probably improved since Sanchez has gone in goal. But anytime someone gets a chance against Brighton, they don't get many, but they seem to score. And then they seem to create loads of chances, but they don't seem to finish many. Um, Dunk, I think, is a, is a big part of, of a Brighton team that's underperformed in terms of points this season, but I potentially expect to, to do decent things next year. Um, and and Konza, I would highlight as well at uh, Aston Villa, because uh, like we said with Martinez, they've had a really good season defensively. Um, that back four and the goalkeeper pretty much set in stone week in, week out. And um, he's young and he's really, really improved. And I, I prefer him to Mings as an individual mm-hmm. centre-back. Uh, but yeah, I think he's um, he's an exciting one for the future and, and could be involved with England um, maybe in, in next season. But too soon for him for the Euros, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's a good stand-up players. I think maybe um, possibly Everton player Ben Godfrey has been quite good. Um, yeah, you mentioned Vestergaard as well. You mentioned mm-hmm. Vestergaard. Halfway through the season, he would have been in this team. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. With no Jones Stott, no John Stones, and Vestergaard was tearing it up. Uh, but obviously the second half of the season has to be taken into account as well. Absolutely. Right, let's move on. We have got left-back. Um, it's it, it's quite a varied list, this one. Uh, plenty it's a of, good list, that, isn't it? It's a strong a, list. I know that, I know. we're picking the team of the season and it shouldn't be an easy task, but my Lord, this particular one is a really difficult one. I don't know. Well, one player I do want to... Um, I do want to mention, though, is Alexander Zinchenko because he's brought in a sort of a backup and a squad yeah. player and he has made the left-back position his own at Manchester City. He's gone from just being a utility player to being a key member of their team. Yeah, and he's also not a left-back, is he? I mean, when, when he no. came in, he was uh, like an attacking midfielder um, and as is the way with Pep, a, a left-back isn't a normal left-back. You know, Benjamin Mendy has struggled on that basis and Zinchenko is so good on the ball just and 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 he's he's learned his trade you know he's been educated in the way to play and it's taken him a few seasons but uh he's ahead of anyone in that left back position you, you'd argue that maybe that's one of the weakest areas for Man City because Mendy's been injured and he's a different type of player 
and you maybe can't rely on him. Nathan Aki could potentially go out there. Cancelo could go out there. But other than Mendy, Zinchenko really is the, is the only option. Um, but it's, he hasn't let them down at all, and he's been pivotal in, in their success this season. Um, one I want to highlight is, is Matt Target, who I think has gone under the radar massively this season. Um, no individual player has been involved in more clean sheets in the whole Premier League than Matt Target. Matt Target and Ruben Diaz played 16 games in which they've got clean sheets. So, so Matt Target is not only is he an ever-present, um, but he's he's involved in so many clean sheets. And actually, he's played, just looking now, he's played every single minute of every single game, apart from one game where he came off in 74 minutes against Man City. And you know, you'd imagine that's probably only because of an injury. So he's been there every minute of every game, bar 16 minutes. Um, and a huge, a huge, um, a, a huge impact on turning around the defence last season. We mentioned Martinez, you mentioned Cash coming in, but those two have given the likes of Target and Conta the foundation to, um, to improve and, and show how good a Premier League player they are. Um, and Matt Target, you know, what Saints fans would give to have Matt Target at the club uh, now. But I, I feel like he's, he's definitely a contender. The only problem I have with this is that, although you, you said it's a strong list, uh, I, I think there's an obvious winner. But yeah. let's cover all, let's cover all the players anyway because they they're all there in their own rights. I mean, Cresswell and Dina are there pretty much based on their assist numbers, right? Mm. I think yeah, they are, and and I think unfortunately, Dina is one when looking at the list where I would probably, if you were to tell me get rid of one player from that immediately, I probably would go for Dina because Everton as a team. They made they made the big hoo ha in the summer, and of course we'll go back to our predictions in another episode. But again, once again, they've invested a lot, and they haven't delivered really on it. And a stuck. I, I know they could still get Europa League, I, I think, but it's mathematically very unlikely. Um, Do you think Dean has not been a, a, a good signing for them? Then, so we're saying. I think he's been a good signing for them, but he he was there. He was he was there last season as well, and. I, I think when compared to those players, I don't think he, uh, in, to the other players on our list, I don't think he stands out as much. Uh, Cresswell has been phenomenal for West Ham. Really good um, assist numbers, like you said. Uh, Target has come into his own at uh, Aston Villa and become the player that our Saints fans really wanted to to see. And we saw glimpses of it, but we ne he obviously with Ryan Bertrand, he was never going to, once Bertrand was fit, he was never going to keep that left-back spot. And how, yeah. mu how much we'd wish to still have him at the club now as sort of a ready-made replacement. Zinchenko's been brilliant. Um, and when you say there's one obvious player to be in that left-back position, could it be the person who's at the top of the list? Yeah, I think so. Uh, just running through the numbers, I mean, Cresswell is the only defender to get double digits for assists. He's um, he's managed 10. Luca Dina with nine is second. Um, and what's what's brilliant uh, about Luca Dina's numbers is that he was injured um, for a period in the season where he he missed seven games in a row and he still managed to, to be one behind on those assist records. I know Calvert-Lewin... Um, Probably owes a lot of his goals to to the left foot of, of Luca Dina. <coughs> so so Chris Wells on eight, Dina's on nine. Trent, despite the terrible season he's had, really picks up and he's got eight. And um, the other one on eight is Soufal. 
so although Dallas scored eight, Sufal actually his assist numbers are even better than I thought. So he's really unlucky, unlucky not getting to get into this team. But we're talking left backs, um, and despite those numbers, uh, Luke Shaw has got numbers of his own. Um, and it, again, Luke Shaw's a weird one because he didn't really come into his own until partway through the season. You know, I, I think after Christmas, he kind of Alex Tellers was brought in for decent money in the in the summer window, and. Um, and you thought he was going to be the number one. And then Luke Shaw's kind of risen to the challenge and um, phenomenal numbers. Uh, I think I think for Luke Shaw, there's something like, in terms of actual opportunities and, and, ch- and, and chances created, he's up there with some of the, the best attacking players. And, um, and he's been a real asset for Manchester United this season. Yeah, he's a player reborn. He's 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 just never really kicked on at Manchester United ever since he's joined them. He's had the injury problems, <coughs> the uh, out of favour with Jose Mourinho, and now he's made he 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 is now having that like fulfilling that potential that was expected of him when he left us for Manchester United, and he's become, I think, a lot of Man United fans would probably have him as their player of the season because he's just been so good for them. So, should we whack him in the team? Yeah, yeah, I think we should. Um, I just looked at it now. He's of all players in the Premier League, all midfielders, all attackers, all defenders. He's fifth for key passes per game on um, on who scored. And a key pass essentially is, is someone who's created created a, a goal score, a proper goal scoring opportunity. Um, only Grealish, De Bruyne, Fernandez, and Mason Mount are ahead of him, and he plays at left back. So I think that is enough. And, and that's a really good back four. I, I, I think, based on this season, I don't think you can get much better than that. Absolutely. Got a, got a bit of everything. Yeah, he really hasn't. Uh, still only 25. There's so much more that we can we can get from him. So, Callum, that's our back five that we've got. And uh, it's not now bad. Now the hard part. Now the, yeah, now the hard, pack, hard part of trying to fit all of those last uh, players into those last... I'm going to say five positions because we will talk about striker, but that seems to be a foregone conclusion. Anyway, that's uh, we're, that's our final position. So let's let's crack on back to the trusty Excel spreadsheet. What have we got first? We have got the CDM position. Uh, again, some really good players to choose from. Uh, one I would knock off immediately, but um, oh, is that a euphemism? <laughs> got, got, got a favourite there of me some <laughs> keep it keeping it clean on under the lights this evening absolutely keep, keep it PG exactly well yeah apologies um, one player I would uh, take off that list is Hoybier I was actually surprised when you mentioned him earlier but then again I suppose when you're when he doesn't play for your team, you don't really see what he adds to your side. He's very much an under the radar player and just does all the dirty work and gives it to the players who can create the chances because we know what he's like if he wants to go and have a shot from about twenty five yards. If you're in the fat stand yeah. behind it, you better better be ducking and uh, making sure your family members are all got their heads down. Yeah, well, that, this this is what he's been about this season. To be fair to Mourinho, he hasn't got much right this year. But the signing of Hoiberg for the position that he's played him in, um, he's had a much bigger impact than he did uh, in his time at Saints. For, for, for that reason, he's been given uh, a role, like you said, which is just a break-up play and then to give the ball to the more creative players. Um, 
And the reason I suggested that he needed to go in was because he was he was the 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 player that everyone was talking about from from Spurs. A lot of the pundits really really pleased with him. Um, I think up to a point, maybe the last few months, that's died down, and and maybe his his um, form has dipped a little bit. But in terms of a CDM doing what they need to do, Hoiberg's numbers in terms of tackles and interceptions. I mean, they were they were high at Saints, but um, he, he's continued that at Tottenham, and also he's he's played you know almost every minute. Um, only only James Ward Prowse has played more minutes in the league. Uh, in the front midfielder this season, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure actually if that's yeah. There's a couple of defenders that have played more, but in terms of midfielders, um, James Ward Prowse and Hoiberg, top two, um, along with Suchek, actually joint in, in in second place with the most uh, most minutes played as well. So he's an ever present. He's obviously reliable, and um, and he, he's. Um, I, I think he's had a good first season for. Uh, Tottenham actually looking at it he's he has played every single minute so far this season just as we record it they haven't played tonight so he he's he's one game behind Ward Prowse now so Hoybier has played every single minute for Tottenham this season in the Premier League which is a big a big thing however <clears throat> he's not been the best player on that list so I'm happy to strike him off um I, I've got an overwhelming favorite personally um based on just having watched him play. And um, I think he, he's got a really high ceiling. Um, and that is, we'll, we'll come on to that. But, you know, who, who, who else do you want to sh- maybe strike off that list? This, this list, I think, is one of... I know we've still got to pick the attacking positions and fit who we want into different, different places. But this is actually one of the more difficult lists to pick from because at CDM you you're very much um unless and uh, unless you can score lots of goals from that position you're very much an under the radar player you're doing the dirty yeah. work in the pitch um and that's not necessarily seen on the match of the day highlights unless they actually pick out your performance if you're a fan of a particular player and you see what they do uh breaking up play uh, because no one uh, no one wants to watch on highlights the um the this player breaking up five separate attacks in the uh, in the game that don't make it anywhere near the edge of the penalty area because they've all been broken up in the centre circle by just the the reading of the game. So it's a difficult one. I think uh, I think Fabinho's had a good season. It's I guess from from an individual point of view, he's done well to basically be very um adaptable playing at center back playing at center mid uh whilst yeah. liverpool have had that horrend- those horrendous injuries and he's had to almost sort of babysit the uh, whichever center backs they decide to put in when he's been playing in the midfield because it must be really difficult when you are that defensive midfielder knowing that behind you are two inexperienced centre-backs maybe even playing out of position so you can your concentration must be key because you know if the ball gets past you then not that it's definitely going to be a chance or definitely be going to be a goal but it's a lot it's a lot different to being a a defensive midfielder and thinking yeah I've got Matip and Van Dijk behind me I can almost have my slippers on if uh, if things go a little awry Um, so I think in, from an individual point of view, he's done well, but Liverpool have been poor in terms of their um, 
sort of title. Uh, I'm forgetting the word here, but basically, in terms in terms of reclaiming the title, they've done a really poor job of it. But everyone seems to forget that people say, "Is this the worst um, title defence ever?" You seem to forget Chelsea when they finished about tenth. Um, on on Fabinho though, you go on a tangent, but on, yeah. on Fabinho, yeah, I think I think he I think he's probably their player of the season, Liverpool, because he's plugged so many holes. Um, played at centre-back and I think he could probably start at centre-back for them alongside Van Dijk if everyone's fully fit. The only reason he wouldn't is because they want him at CDM as well. He's a, he's a quality player um, and he does a job absolutely everywhere. He can do a stint at right-back as well. But this hasn't been his best season based on the fact that the players around him haven't been that good and he's ha he's been having to play out of position here, there and everywhere. So not for his own, you know, any fault of his own, but Fabinho hasn't been the standout CDM this season. And that's what we're looking for. So I would, um, I'm happy to strike him off the list if you are, for that reason. Okay, so Hoybier and Fabinho are off. I'm interested to know which one you think is sort of the standout for you, because I know which player that you're a massive fan of, and uh, you, you suggested him as a possible signing for Manchester United at the very beginning of the season. I'm torn between... Good memory you've got there. Well, that, that, could be, well, that could be one of two. That could be one of two. Um, I'm, who are you torn between? I'm torn between Ndidi and Rice. I okay, think. me too. Me too. Um, Rodri has been a part of a fantastic Man City team. Um, but I, st I still prefer Fernandinho. I still think they're a better team when he when he plays. Mm -hmm. And Rodri's a different kind of CDM. I yeah. mean, Man City fans might you know have seen more of him, might argue, but he's more of a ball player for me than a than a someone who gets around the pitch and breaks up play and covers their fullbacks. And that's that's what I'm looking for. And I think that's what stands out for me if I'm watching centre midfielders, holding midfielders. It's not the guy who's got the ball eighty percent of the time and is playing one twos with the centre backs. It's the guy on the other team who's breaking up the counter-attacks. And that's what Ndidi and Rice do really well. Um, so it's between Ndidi and Rice. Was Ndidi the player you were talking about that I'd link? That I said yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd that, that's the player. Yeah, he's a terrific player. I'd go, I, but I'm, I'd go with Rice, if, uh, to be honest. He's in my team. Okay. I'm guessing... Uh, in, uh, Rice, sorry? Are you going to go Ndidi? No, Rice, Rice, is my, ah. Rice is my guy. He's... Um, I think he's unbelievable. I think also because I've seen him play for England. So you've seen him play for your own team. When you say, like, maybe we don't get to see them on match of the day and we don't get to see too much highlighted, um, seeing him play for England so well as well, I think, has, has made a huge difference. Indeed, he has, he is the man with the stats. You know, if we're going to put this on a stats based 11, Indeed, he is right up there. Um, <clears throat> he's for, for tackles of anyone, anyone in the Premier League, any position. Um, Wilfred Ndidi is the highest for tackles per game just in front of one Oriol Romeo in second place I might add um, Wilfred Ndidi's top for that he's second for interceptions per 90 and he's top for fouls per 90 um, oh no second to Ashley Barnes believe it or not so um, and, and although you, you might argue sorry who'd have thought Ashley Barnes <laughs> no he's the cleanest player I've ever seen so you might you might argue our fouls aren't a great thing, but you know I think that the team around you probably argue differently. He's putting in so many tackles, you can't get them all right. So those are the, those are what you're looking for in a, in a CDM for me. You know passes, I'm sure you know is is that's useful, and that's you know you maybe argue that's not as big a part of of his game. Um, 
Wilfred and Didi, but despite that, and, and I'm a massive fan of him, and I think I did think at the beginning of the season, Man City, uh, Man United should buy him. I now think, though, they should buy Declan Rice. <laughs> it's between those two anyway. I think those two, for me, are the standouts. You know, Fabinho's brilliant as well, but I like these two players. But Declan Rice, I think, has had a better season, and I think he's driven West Ham to what looked like the brink of, of Champions League qualification, but should certainly be uh, European qualification. Almost asked me to put uh, Patrice Ever in there at centre mid, but there he is, Declan Rice. He's going into our team. Ooh. Where did Ever come from if you put in Rice? Because <laughs> oh, they've got his full name, Patrice, so it's got the Rice bit of... Uh, oh, I see. I know. I weird. Yeah, so, so Rice, Rice for me, he's also, I think he's got... A, a dynamic element to his game that none of those other players have got. I think he gets forward, he drives with the ball. Um, he's brilliant at nipping in and, and reading the game. Um, Declan Rice, uh, d- despite you know maybe not seeming the most intelligent of guys, he, he's on the football pitch. Uh, he plays that role better than mm. uh, better than anyone I think this season. And um, I am very very happy that he didn't choose to play for the republic of ireland yeah yeah absolutely it's uh, brilliant to have him in our in our team for the for the euros especially now we're on to center mid um so this is uh just a, we decided just to switch up the uh, the center mid instead of having pick i don't know f- uh, two from five for the two central midfield positions i think that would be a bit unfair because there are people who have different roles and unfortunately yeah. for me um, there is one standout in this one, but they're all they've all had everyone on this list has had a terrific season. Yeah, I, I, I'd yeah, I'd argue that they were maybe two standouts, and then um, the weekend just gone, someone raised their profile. I wonder who that could be a little bit by scoring <laughs> an absolute screamer to win the FA Cup in, in, in Tillemans, but he's. You know, out of those five players, there's no doubt that Kevin De Bruyne is the best player. Yeah. However, I think it's a little bit lazy to put him in your team of the year, as a number of pundits seem to have done, mm-hmm. because he hasn't played a lot of the season. Um, no. And he hasn't had, by his own standards, he hasn't had the best season. His numbers are still Kevin De Bruyne quality for you know per per minutes that he's played, uh, but. I think I think Gundogan's had a better season than him, so I don't think you can. Um, I don't. I don't think you can argue against that, really. So De Bruyne, despite being probably the best player in the Premier League, has to um, miss out this year. But I'm sure every other bloody year is going to be in there. Yeah, no doubt about that. And of course, uh, if you're up in arms about that, then send all your hate mail to us. We we'll, we can take it. Um, Man City fans thinking that we uh, don't know ball, as it were. Um, yeah, well, wait, wait until wait until you see who we choose for this position, and then and then we'll see how Man City fans feel. Um, <clears throat> what, think, what was the so so? Do you, do you know who I'd, who I'd say were the two standouts then, based on based on the season? Um, yeah, I I, I can ha- hazard a guess. Uh, I reckon it is obviously Gundogan and uh, Thomas Suchek. I think yeah so they'd be on there um James Ward-Prowse we put in here because we love him 
but based on the fact that we know how good a season he's had, <clears throat> he has played every minute of every game. No one's played more minutes than him. Captain, um, leader on the pitch. He's really, really improved his game in the last couple of years. <clears throat> and I think he should be on the plane to go to the Euros. I'm hopeful that Gareth Southgate thinks he should as well, although it doesn't seem that anyone else other than Saints fans seem to think he's better than the likes of uh, Phillips or um, <clears throat> or other options there. But yeah, yeah, he, he isn't. He ha his numbers are good, um, and you made the argument that his numbers should lift him into this kind of mm. five list of five nominees. Um, you know, with with the amount of assists and, and goals he has got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sixteen goal involvements this season. That is terrific. Nine. Uh, nine goals, seven assists, and unlimited amount of free kicks. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Always a pretty much a threat from every single set piece. It's uh, a rare occasion that he doesn't get his delivery right. Um, so he can offer. He hit, hit the bar yesterday. With he did. Three. He so. did. Uh, how how things how that game could have gone. Um, but across the season, terrific. <laughs> Hasn't missed a game since I think 2019, something like that. It's a ridiculous, ridiculous stat. And the only minutes he's missed in that time was when he was hauled off in the FA Cup last year against Spurs. And that was about 45 minutes. And everyone thought, oh, he's going to be out for quite some time. And then he decided that he just strapped up the leg. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a really deep cut on the thigh. No, it's all right. I'll just strap it up, play in the next game. And he played the full 90 minutes on that. So, well, the, um, the only game he missed this season was, was for England, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, Every time we got an injury, he was for England. He came back and he played the next ninety for Saints. So he, he did. Yeah, Warprow's um, great season, but Saints haven't had the season no. that we'd hoped. Um, that looked like it would be in November, December. So you know, and based on that, I know we can't do it all on his own. But Warprow's isn't the best box to box midfielder, which is pretty much what we're looking at here um, no. this season. So he's off the list. Tillemans, uh, we mentioned. In the FA Cup, so let's just finish off with there. What I mean, what's you know, he's been he's been a real class act for the last few seasons since Leicester signed him. Um, one of those players that have taken him to the next level. He, he's he's always there, always playing. Um, he plays in this kind of system as well, or, or was until it got changed, where he's that you've got Ndidi sitting, Madison, Cam, and you've got him as kind of that link. Um, but again, not quite the numbers. To really, yeah, you know, what's stopping us from picking Tillemans here? Because Gunduan has had an outstanding season at Manchester City, and is you put Suchek ahead of Tillemans in this list? I would because of the individual impact he's had to his side. He's yeah. been, I mean, every time that West Ham score, you just go and his name pops up, and you're thinking, oh, he's done it again. He's a CDM or a centre mid, and he's their top scorer or was their top scorer, um, and. He's he's a warrior for them. He's been an absolute warrior, and it doesn't matter if he's got a, a cut on his head that's just um, spewing blood everywhere. He'll just bandage bandage it up and carry on. He he loves it, and he's a real fan favorite. I think for the price that they got him for as well, another brilliant brilliant signing. Um, which is why Tielemans is again a part of a very good team. Um, and had he not scored the goal to win Leicester the FA Cup. Maybe he would be a little further down this list. He's just a very—he is a very good player, and at such a young age, I'd be surprised with how long he stays at Leicester because he has again another player with a huge yeah. amount of potential. But it would be Suchek ahead just because 
He's been West Ham's, one of West Ham's standout players of the season. The other one joined in January. Yeah, yeah. So, I th- yeah, I'd agree with you on everything you've said there. I think Tielemans would still be top five. But this isn't just a knee-jerk reaction because of that goal. Um, he's still a, a fantastic player. And I agree, potentially could go elsewhere. But Leicester are, are winning trophies now and they're, they're qualifying for Europe regularly. So, they are, you know, they are a big team now, replacing Arsenal in the big six uh, or Spurs for me. So, yeah, he, he doesn't get it. Suchek again... Um, he he was a big reason first half of the season certainly why they were so high where they were scoring headers scoring scoring from set pieces always involved I think his numbers dropped off once Lingard came in actually and and, and it kind of changed the way he played a little bit but the way him and Royce both work together um, both can sit both can go box to box take it in turns I think uh, David Moyes got a real good thing going with those two and you could argue that despite how good all, all the big teams are for me in terms of centre midfield partnerships Leicester and West Ham have got have had the best two this season mm. in um, in Tielemans and, and Didi and in Bryson Suchek uh, who we've talked about a lot um, but let's cut to the chase um, because Ilkay Gundogan has had his kind of breakout season really he's always been for me Gundogan really unlucky to be a reserve at Man City because he every time he played he'd give you everything you needed from him like he's he's a, he's so reliable he does everything right he's but and once De Bruyne got injured that gave him the opportunity to take on that that position um since De Bruyne came back in his numbers have gone down actually so you kind of take away a little bit from from Gundogan unfortunately when De Bruyne is playing if you can get them both going at the same time which I'm sure Pep will be trying to do then uh, my god you've got a, a a team to face there but he's yeah his numbers were phenomenal he went through that run sort of mid-season where he seemed to be scoring goals or multiple goals every game and I, I just love I love his movement off the ball um when in attacking areas in kind of inside left um the left of a three kind of area I, I think he's so clever and yeah, I, I've always thought he's a good player, Gundogan, and I'm glad that he got the opportunity to kind of show us what he can do. I mean, his his numbers. Let's have a look at what um, what the numbers are for sort of goals and and assists. Um, so in the Champions League, he scored three goals and one assist, and then in the Premier League, he is Man City's top scorer by quite a distance with 13 goals and two assists. So. 16 goals, three assists from centre midfield um, over those just those two competitions is um, is pretty good going for a player that's kind of spent a lot of his time sat on the bench. Yeah, it's a really good return. And, you know, for, to be Man City's top scorer and they've got like a plethora of brilliant attacking players as well is, is, is no mean feat. Um, but yeah, we've waxed lyrical about those, those ones. And now, Callum, we have the, the joyous task of trying to fit Three attacking. Well, let me stop you there. Yeah, Shall we put the striker in? Because let's end. Let's end with this. Um, next, this next bit because with this is this we could be going on for a little while trying to figure out who we want in there, and I'm, I'm sure there might be some disagreements. But mm. um, strikers. Bamford yep. scored 16 goals. Calvert Lewin scored 16 goals. 
Antonio, I wanted in this list because I think he's been a huge reason why West Ham are where they are. And without him, uh, I don't, th I don't think that they they would have been anywhere near the position that they're in. I think him stepping up as a, as a, as a striker in the last few seasons, especially this year, um, I think he's been a phenomenal and a real handful. It's a shame he's had so many injuries. Mm. That's happened him because I think he could have um, he could have probably been up there with the likes of of Bamford and. Um, and Calvert-Lewin in terms of goals. So, um, they've been great, but Harry Kane is clearly going to be the, the striker because yeah. he's had he's up there for player of the season. His numbers are astronomical. And you don't realise it because it's Kane. You just you kind of just assume Expect that it. his numbers are going... Unless he gets 35 goals in a Premier League season, I don't think people notice it, you know? No. But his assists as well. He's top goal scorer and he's top for assists. So... Argue with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm very happy that uh, England have got him, fingers crossed, he doesn't get an injury in his last couple of Oh, games. yeah, I hope he stays fit. So, and of course, the news that he, apparently he wants to leave Tottenham. So that'll be, that's going to be an interesting summer, very interesting summer that is uh, is coming up if that is to go through and how much, it'd be interesting to, one, see how Spurs re, um, spend that money that they get for him and two, see how they just live without him. Um, be interesting anyway. to see how long Levy drags it out for to get yeah. every single yeah. penny he can. But um, and I'd, I'd say I say top goal scorer. He's joint top goal scorer at the moment with uh, with Mo Salah at Liverpool, both on twenty two goals. But then he's got thirteen assists, mm. and You're... Salah has got four. Yeah, Bruno Fernandez has got twelve. Sunhan Min has got ten. You know, those are the closest to him. But yeah, in terms of in terms of goal scoring, um, yeah. Bamford and Calvert-Lewin with 16 um, is is a really, really respectable return, mm. um, especially for, for Bamford, who has always struggled in the Premier League. Numerous times he's come up here and he played played with many teams. You know, he couldn't get through at, at Chelsea. He played here with a poor Borough team, got relegated. He was at Norwich, I think, in the Premier League at, at some point. And as he came up with Leeds, everyone thought, oh, they need a striker because Bamford can't do it. Well, he's, um, let's say Bielsa's got the most out of him. Well, one point I want to make to you before we move on to the, the horrible task of picking those attacking players. Um, the list that we've got here for strikers, they're all English, apart from Antonio, who we don't actually know what he's going to do. Oh, that's a really good point. And yeah, at the moment, Antonio, well, yeah, for, for the... For this point alone, um, let's say he's English as well. Um, yeah. yeah, Watkins. Watkins got thirteen goals. So again, this is his first season in in the um, in the Premier League, and he's been leading the line and, and pretty much every game for an Aston Villa side that that have massively improved this year. So he's he's had a huge impact. Um, and then Antonio's got nine goals, but he's the amount of minutes he's played. He's only had twenty two starts all season. So to get nine goals when you've played, what's that? Less less than a you know less than a third of of, of the uh, sorry, um, less than well two just thirds. over half, isn't yeah. it? Less than two thirds, just over half. So really, if you call that half and double it, you know just shy half, he he be at about sixteen goals with these guys. It's just um, it, it's just a shame that he's he hasn't played so much. So and, and imagine if he did play all season, where West Ham might be. Um, exactly. My maths wasn't the quickest there, was it? So, yeah, they've all done really well, but unfortunately for them, um, Harry Kane is 
uh, kind of the messiah and um, with one up front, you know, got not got a chance of getting in any team he plays for, including England. Just a quick one. If uh, if Kane didn't play this season, who would you put as your striker for the team of the year? Because I think it's, very, it's a very hard decision then after that. That is a very hard decision. I think I'd go for Patrick Bamford. Yeah, you know what? I think I would as well. Um, maybe harsh on Calvert-Lewin. But he, he scored a lot of his goals at the very start of the season and since, since then hasn't really hit many. Whereas with Bamford just seems to be consistently getting one one or two every here and there. The thing is with Bamford, he, he, kind of, he, he plays in a very gung-ho team and a lot of it goes through him. Um, they've got the same amount of goals, but I don't think Calvert-Lewin hasn't got an assist all season and Bamford's got seven. So yeah. uh, there's more to his game. Um, Calvert-Lewin relies a lot on crosses. I just think, yeah, Bamford, for the fact that he's struggled so many times before and then has come up with leads and... Um, such a respectable return. Yeah, I, I, I would probably look at him as well. But Harry Kane is yeah. in. And now we have uh, a bit of a task on our hands because we've not done we've not done these three positions separately. We've chucked in uh, 15 players for three positions because there's a bit more fluidity. You know, there might mm. be there might be two left wingers that you think, oh, actually, I want both of them in my team. But one of them can play on the right wing, yeah, you know, and, and that's absolutely fine. So, so we're gonna we're gonna put all of these together um, as Tom messes around with Pereira. Spelling mistake was it? And yeah, then, and I um, realised it then suddenly said the IRA, so uh, <laughs> had to change that quickly. Uh, well, well it still, still does. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so we've got many players. We'll, we'll read out the nominees um, for anyone that's just listening to this rather than watching on YouTube. But we have this. This is for Cam, uh, central Saka midfield, uh, left wing and right wing because we're playing a four-three-three. If you hadn't already been made aware of that, so almost a four-two-three-one. So this is the three behind a striker, right? So we've gone in no order. We've gone Rafinha at Leeds, Bruno Fernandez, Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford, Mason Mount. Uh, Mateus Pereira, not Ricardo Pereira, as you thought earlier in the day, uh, Tom. The Pereira of West Brom. Uh, Son, Hyun Min, Jack Grealish, James Madison, Riyad Mahrez, Mikayo Saka, Diego Jota, Jesse Lingard, Mo Salah, and the Joker in the pack, Nathan Redmond. <laughs> Well, he stands up. I liked it in red for a reason, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I think he's our stand-up player. So, we're, really, we're picking only two players because Redmond's already in the team. Um, that I, is... I, think, I, I, think you've, I think you've got to get rid, of, get rid of Redmond and put Stuart Armstrong. Even though ne neither of those are going to get into the Premier League team of the year, Redmond, uh, yeah. We had 14, and I wanted to try and keep it five per position, as we've tried to do for every other one. So he so said, let's chuck someone else in. And Tom uh, and myself decided Redmond was uh, was was the answer for, for most Saints fans, to be honest. Yeah, stand-up player. Um, uh, how are we going to get that down to, to three? <laughs> yeah, where do you want to start? Pick I... a name, Tom, and we'll just, we'll go through them really quickly as to why they're in the list and as to why they are or are not a contender. And we'll quickly go through and, and Otherwise, we'll highlight be the ones in red, shall we, that we don't... Yeah, 
don't believe is uh, are going to end up in contention. Otherwise, if I mean, if we were to go into detail for every single one of those players, you would not be getting to the gym before closing time. That's for sure. Um, yes, that's true. Uh, I think. Well, it's twenty-four-seven. Oh well, you'd be getting there late. Uh, so that, I, I think I'm going to go with players to maybe um, take off that uh, list. I start with Pereira because uh, I can't spell him. The only reason being he is a he's had a really good season for West Brom, but just the the the, the fact that there are other standout players in this list that uh, he's definitely in consideration. But it's more of a, you could go on the list. You're definitely not going to get in the team, but you can go on the list because you have been good this season. He has been. He's got 10 goals and six assists in uh, only 29 starts, Pereira. But for a team like West Brom, who haven't really scored a lot of goals and have gone down with a bit of a whimper. Mm. Um, yeah, Pereira, I think, is definitely a player that you'll see in the Premier League next season or, or, or abroad, but certainly not in the Championship. I think he's um, he is an excellent player. And, and recently, I think he's gone on a bit of a run of scoring and assisting. Whereas every single goal that West Brom score is either made or scored by him. Uh, everything goes through him. So, yeah, I'd be really interested to see how we do in the Premier League at um, at a better team. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, maybe, at, maybe at a Leicester or a West Ham or something like that. Imagine if he went to Leicester and played on the right wing and you had Ricardo Pereira on the right back. You wouldn't know what's happening. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, Callum. He struck you're... him off. He, yeah. He's off our list. Um, let's 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 briefly talk about Stuart Armstrong because he's already in red. Um, I don't think he'd be on. I think he's the new Stephen Davis. Saints fans will know what that means. He goes under the radar massively. Um, I'd imagine most other clubs wouldn't really know why he's anywhere near this conversation. Um, I, he he is he's the main worry for when England come up against Scotland. I tell you that much. Mm. Um, he, he's just he's impressed massively he's up there as one of the players of the season for Southampton in one of what has been a poor season but he's improved more and more and what what he has really improved it with is his ball carrying is and his dribbling past players has improved massively and he is so good at picking up the ball and turning defence into attack and really driving mm. um, and the amount of times I see players trying to get to him trying to tackle him and he's got such great feet um, he's getting better and better, and I, I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing him next season. Hopefully, with a with a bit of a better team around him. Yeah, he has been terrific for Saints, and he has such a such a low centre of gravity that he can really just nip uh, past players. And he doesn't really have the stature or the build to think him to be sort of a tricky dribbler, but he has got so much class on the ball and an engine to um, even for Stephen Davis to be proud of. But uh, he. He's on, he's on our list, uh, but he's not in our team. Uh, a player I'd go for next to strike off is Rafinha. I think he's been a terrific signing for Leeds. Um, on his day, uh, a very, very, very good player. We saw that yesterday in the second half, where after in the first half he wasn't in the game. In the second half, uh, they made the changes and he sort of became a bit of a focal point for them. And his first touch was phenomenal. He's got great pace about him. He's got a great left foot. Uh, and again, another young player. It's going to be really interesting to see how he does uh, for Leeds in the Premier League next season as well. Yeah, an another Brazilian. Um, similar player to Pereira, really. Just been in a better team for this season. But yeah, he was phenomenal uh, watching him firsthand yesterday. Um, good to be able to watch players 
in person again in that second half uh he was right in front of me and on the uh, on the pitch and he was um it's just effortless in what he does uh first time passes um opening up defenses and uh he's, he's got eight assists this season um and and only you know I say only but six goals you know 14 goal contributions in the Premier League for your first season how many times do we see a player come into the Premier League and we first season they don't live up to anything and they're pretty poor and we're like oh it takes time for you to to adapt well he's hit the ground running like you said he's only 24 um he's only started 25 games this season which surprises me but he's he is um he's definitely one to improve and I do think Leeds will keep hold of him but if next season but if he keeps on going the way he's going uh he'll be he'll be eyed up by a few big clubs um right another one to strike off the list is for me James Madison um he is only going to be able to play cam he hasn't got that kind of uh versatility versatility adaptability like any of the others and um there are players ahead of him um he, he was in contention to go to euros he's had a, a, a i think that was an outside chance i still think there are players ahead of him in that list in both his numbers and in kind of the eye test but also uh he's had that injury as well and although he's a he's a big part of leicester's team and a, and a team that's done really well um struggling to get back into the team a little bit now and and for me yeah he's just he's not at that level where he's going to be uh, your main central attacking midfielder in a premier league team of the season especially with uh, one or two of the names on that list very much so, very much so. And um, he's been poor, I think, since he's come back from the injury. He hasn't, he's certainly not been as good as uh, he was in the first part of the season. Another player who's similar to, to that would, for me, uh, be Jesse Lingard. Absolutely incredible second half of the season at West Ham. He's been, he's really sort of been uh, reborn, as it were, and he's found that form that he had under Manchester United in his best years. And, and a, another reason that West Ham are taking their European uh, challenge right to the very end, where they finish, um, not sure. But uh, for me, again, like like you said, he's 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 only really a, a cam. He doesn't have the versatility, and I still think there are players ahead of him on that list. So. If you if you agree with that, I'm happy to uh, strike him off the list as well. You can strike him off. I mean, he, he can he can play off either wing. I think I think he's more versatile than likes of Madison. In fact, he was always a winger, wasn't he? Until until mm. kind of Southgate decided actually he can play in a midfield three and did so well at the World Cup alongside Deli Ali. So um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, maybe not the dis, doing him a, the service that he, he deserves for being able to play on the wing. I do think. Cam is his best position, and that's what they've done with him um, at West Ham. It'd be really interesting to see where he ends up first day of the season or at the end of the summer window for next season. Because mm. based on that, does he get does he get a chance at Man United? You know, loaned him out. Now they see more and more what he's about. Does he go to West Ham, or does he end up at a you know a, a, another team like a Tottenham or an Arsenal or, a, or yeah. even a Liverpool somewhere like that? So that'll be really interesting. Um, that's five off the list to go. Bear with us. Um, Saka is probably Arsenal's player of the season, but Arsenal been shit. So uh, I don't think he's quite got the numbers or done enough to be considered to be in the Premier League team of yeah. the season. And his team has been so diabolical and has underperformed. Um, 
you know, it, if he was going to be if he was going to be at that level, he might have won the game for them against Villarreal and set up an All English Europa League final. Um, but yeah, a bit of a poor season for Arsenal, and he's been one of few shining lights. Um, I do think he'll be on the plane for the Euros, especially with a twenty six man squad because he's versatile and he's shown that this season. Incredibly versatile, good young player, got a very bright future ahead of him. But as you say, Arsenal have been terrible this season and he has been sort of like that bright spark for them, but not to the level of some of the other players on this list. And um, in a in, sort of same for me, it'd be taking Diego Jota off the list. Really good signing for Liverpool. But since uh, he had that really good run of form, but since that bad injury that he had about halfway through, he's not been the same player. So he's... Uh, be good. He was good for them at the start, uh, but we haven't really heard much about him uh, since that injury. Yeah, I agree. I think he's the last obvious one to take off this list. I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, he would be number seven to come off, leaving us with eight players. But yeah, he's he's done uh, he's done exceptionally well. Was it in the summer that he was bought by Liverpool? Was this his first season? Yeah, first season at Liverpool. Yeah, he, was, he did so did so well at Wolves. Obviously, him and Jimenez and Wolves have massively. Him and, him and Jimenez, um, they've massively been uh, missed by Wolves. But, and, 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 and I, don't, I think when they signed him for 40 million, everyone kind of raised their eyebrows a little bit, similar to when they signed Mane. But he's, um, he's been, well, Salah's got the goals, hasn't he? But for a while there, he was their best attacking threat. In a, in a poor season for Liverpool, Jota, when they were playing badly, was the one that was still playing well and was getting them the the goals and the performances they needed. So he really stood up to be counted. Um, but again, Liverpool have had a poor season, and he hasn't he hasn't managed to dig them out of that bigger hole. So we're now left with um, three positions to choose between Bruno Fernandes, Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford, Mason Mount, Son Heung Min, Jack Grealish, Riyad Mahrez, Mo Salah. Where are we going next? Well, I think one person that we can put into the team would be Mo Salah because he's tied for Golden Boot. Um, yeah. I think he's one of the easiest players to put into okay. the side. I don't know if right. you... Yeah. I don't know about Mo Salah. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say... I, I was going to say... I was going to say next that Bruno Fernandes has to go into the team in, in central attacking midfield. Okay, because he's he's essentially put Man United in second in the table on his own, not on his own, but like he, he's they're a bit of a one man team United, aren't they? And um, Fernandez, yeah. eighteen goals, twelve assists, you know, seventeen of those probably penalties, but he 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 changes the way in which Man United play, and without them, without him and the team, I think they're a different proposition. What, what are you saying on Bruno? You've put him in the team, so I can only imagine you agree. You looked a bit hesitant at first, but maybe you're just listening. No, I was listening. I, I completely agree. And although say, yeah, he takes a lot of penalties, um, but since he signed for them last um, last January, they've become a different beast and he just oozes class. He's a terrific player for them. And he sort of grabbed them by the scruff of the neck and just taken them back to near a level that they should be. And he stands out for them. And he's the player that um, the opposition team fear. That you, you're thinking if you, if you, and you think with Man United, if you suffocate Bruno, 
um, not only have you committed a crime, but Man United can't um, can't actually attack, and they're not as effective whatsoever. So for me, they 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 just become a different team with him. They they have gone up that level with him in the side. One I want to talk about, and that I considered for a long time as being my left winger. But in the end, I think from for me it was a choice of three from four, and this was this was kind of a bit of um, a way of getting out of making a decision. Is Jack Grealish because I feel like he would have been there for me if he hadn't missed the last three months of the season because before that uh, he was he was definitely in this team of the season for me because mm. he was he was just one of the best attacking players, one of the most creative ones. Um, and I think you could see Aston Villa dropped off in terms of their league position when he got that injury. Um, and I just hope that he is fit and match fit and on, on song for the Euros because I think he's an absolute game changer. For He, he is he's our joker in the pack. Jack Grealish when we go to the Euros um, and I, I hope Southgate isn't going to kind of use this injury thing as a bit of an excuse to leave him out and go with someone else yeah is there's not a, I think outside of England maybe teams don't know a huge amount about him he is the joker in the pack can play pretty much anywhere across that attacking three um, would have been in the team of the season for us had he not had that injury Um I mean, it's scary with him just how much ability he's got and how much creativity he has. Unfortunately, we have had to uh, uh, put the uh, the red on him, so we've we've still got six to uh, choose just, two. Just from. an interesting yeah. stat for you. I've just sorry, just an interesting stat on for you on someone else I've just seen. So he's only played twenty two games this season. So like like we said with Antonio, that is just over half Premier League games. Um, that's exactly the same amount of games and sub appearances as Kevin De Bruyne. They both played 22 starts and two off the bench. So they've played exactly the same amount of games. De Bruyne has got five goals and 11 assists. And Jack Grealish has got six goals and 10 assists. So Grealish has scored one more goal and got one less assist than De Bruyne. But together, 16 goal involvements and 22 starts. That is incredible. And that is Kevin De Bruyne in a Man City team that have just pissed all over everyone this season. And Jack Grealish has done that for Aston Villa, who finished 17th last season. That's how good he is. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a real shame for him that he's only played 22 games this season, because that's the reason we're not putting De Bruyne in, you know? So for consistency, um, Jack Grealish misses out. Now, okay, where do you <sighs> want to go next? I want to talk about Mason Mount. I don't, do you consider that the, we've taken up the cam position? Can he play in the left or the right wing for you? He Mason Mount is the reason uh, that I asked to do it this way because um, Fernandez had to be in the team, but I really want Mount in the team as well. Mm. Um, and they would both technically play cam, but Mason Mount has played out on the left. You know, playing for England, playing that kind of three four three, whereas. An inside left 
um, position of the striker, which, you know, for the for the sake of this, um, I mean, we could do what we want really, can't we? So, uh, yeah, he is he is definitely in contention for me ahead of ahead of a few of the others. So um, maybe we should highlight him in a in a a different colour. <laughs> Just okay. to, he he's on standby, Mason Mount. Whilst we go through the others, okay. You, you uh, want you want you want Salah on standby, right? Yeah, I'll go but Salah on standby. And tell you a person I'd highlight in red actually is Mares. Now, if we're starting just to whittle it down a bit, okay. Um, okay. Um, I, I don't know if you agree with that as well. Mares, Mares has gone under the radar. I feel this season, he's he seems to Mares for the last few seasons has been that kind of fourth choice winger. You know, that was Sterling. Um, Bernardo, then you had uh, Sané was there for a bit, uh, someone else. There was, uh, Mares was always kind of that guy who'd play maybe, you know, play less than half the games or, or a lot of sub-appearances. And in this season, in a season where they've dominated, he has played a lot of games, um, seems to be involved quite often. I mean, I say a lot of games, I mean, it, over, over the Champions League and the Premier League, because there's so much rotation for um for Pep's teams. He he's been massive in both competitions. Um he's got he's played eight he's eight starts and three sub appearances in the Champions League. Four goals, two assists. He got two goals in the semi-final to um to put them into so he's a big game player. And then in the Premier League, so it's four and two in the in the Champions League, nine and five so he's got 13 goals and seven assists um, in in about 30 odd games, which you know for, for a team that's rotating a lot, I think he's he's often been the guy who's kind of when they're struggling, when they're maybe struggling to win a game, he's the guy that kind of gets them a goal. Um, him and maybe Foden in some respects as well. So yeah, it, I I think you have to make a decision between him and Foden in a kind of a head-to-head here. Um, and I would go for Foden over Mares in terms of the impact this season. Okay. So Mares is out. you agree with that? I agree with that. Now, uh, I think we have to put Son on standby. He's one of the top scorers in the league and one of the, has one of the highest assists as well. I think I think I think Son and Salah are in the same bracket for me. So so okay. put them on standby, and we'll come back to both of those in a minute. Because for me, they're either both in or neither of them are in. And then um, because the reason they're in is stats. Their team's mm. been shit. They haven't dug their team out of a hole, but individually, they've mm. got some numbers. Um, let's go on to Foden because Foden not too dissimilar to to Mares in a lot of ways in terms of stats. He's not played that many games in the Premier League, um, or not started at least, which is why we uh, we said at the beginning we want to make this about everything. All the competitions, because with with Man City assets, they, they don't have players that have just played in the Premier League. Um for instance, he he's he's only started 16 games in the Premier League, but he's come on eleven times. So you know he's, he's made 27 appearances. In the Champions League, he's pretty much an ever-present. It's interesting that he was chosen to play in the Champions League 
Um, no matter what Pep says about which competition, you know, the Premier League being the most important competition, that's the one they want to win. So he's, he's vital for them. And in, in that competition, he's played uh, 11 games and one off the bench. He's got three goals and three assists in the Champions League. And he has got eight and five in the Premier League. So when you compare him and Mares, Premier League, same assists. Mares has got one more goal. Champions League, Mares got four and two. He's got three and three. So in terms of the numbers, they're similar. But I just feel like he's another one who turns up in the big games. Against Liverpool, he he dominated that that win where they scored four goals and they was it 4-1 or something 4-0 yeah. at Anfield um, and he also keeps turning up in the Champions League and I don't know if it's just a bias because he's English and there's excitement about him but and and the media big him up massively but I think he's a, a, a massive contender for me I can see maybe why people wouldn't put him in there because they can say has he played enough games in the Premier League this season has he got the numbers um, but I just think for a player who's maybe played less games and has maybe less goals and assists, but has been a part of a team that has got to Champions League final and has won the Premier League at Canter and has won the Carabao Cup, I personally would put someone like him ahead of someone like Mo Salah or Son, who have got big individual numbers. But what is it counted for in the end? You know, maybe an individual accolade of golden boot, but it's th their teams are struggling to qualify for the Champions League. I don't know how you feel on, on that. That's that's why I, I favour the players like maybe Mount and Foden, whereas I think you're looking at maybe the likes of Son and Salah as, as can you leave them out? Because look how many actual goals and, and assists, yeah. you know, how much they've been involved. Uh, where, where do you sit on, on that? I I really like your way of thinking because Son and Salah, like, they've scored lots of lots of goals, but their team hasn't really had much to show for it in terms of Liverpool's um, title defence has been non-existent. I know that's not Salah's fault on his own, but, um, you, you know, he hasn't sort of made that impact like he was last season. Son... It's that combination between Kane and Son. If you take Kane out of the team, then Son is pretty ineffectual, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so, in a, but in a, in a way, I, I like what you're thinking, and I'm happy to actually go with Foden over those two. So, are we thinking of Foden? Yeah. Put him on the standby again. But, uh, yeah, I think with Salah, I mean, just going through those numbers, he's got 22 goals in the Premier League alone. And... Only four assists, and I think that's in keeping with the way Mo Salah plays. He's, he's a very selfish forward player. He, he gets the goals, doesn't set up his teammates too often. Um, I think Mane's been pretty unhappy with that in the past. And then Son Heung-min, from the left wing, has got 17 goals this season and 10 assists in the Premier League. Mm. So, you know, he, he's he's been involved directly in 27 goals. Salah's been involved directly in 26 and you might argue, oh, why, why is Harry Kane in there then? Well, he's he's got the same amount of goals as Salah, but he's got another nine assists on top. You know, he's been involved in 35 goals. His team has done shit, but that's probably the reason that he's he's looking to leave because he, he has been one of the best players 
all round in the league this season. Um, and he's had one of his best seasons individually as well. So, yeah, I, 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 I completely get the Mo Salah-Son question um, and, and the point. But in, in my, and I know why people put them in there. Oh, you can't leave them out because look at how many goals they've scored. And I guess that's what their job is. But I just think in terms of quality and um, impact on their team and sending their team to, towards accolades and being young and exciting and maybe improving, maybe likes of Mount and Foden, you could argue, would be in Premier League teams of the season to come. But for me, in terms of who I've been most impressed with this season, I would put those two over Son and Salah. Um, there's one other person on that that we haven't mentioned, and that is Marcus Rashford, who's still in there. Tell me what you think of him whilst I charge up my device. <laughs> uh, Rashford has been superb. Uh, I think he's got quite a he's got a high number of assists this season, and off the pitch, obviously he's done some fantastic work during the last year. Um, obviously, this is a team looking. This is a team where we look at what they've done off the pitch. But as a as a person off the pitch, um, Marcus Rashford has been um, a superstar, and he's been he's been really really good in that respect. But obviously, on the pitch, he's also been good for Manchester United. Uh, they don't have a they don't really have a proper centre forward that they play. Maybe Cavani when he plays, but aside from that, it's a very fluid attack. And Rashford has been, he's been very solid for them. Um, but in terms of, in terms of that, I, I wouldn't, I, I'd be happy to read him out on this, on this list because I don't think he's done more than the other, the other players that, the other four that we've got sort of highlighted as on standby. Yeah. I'd go with that. Ra Rashford, Rashford, I didn't realise the numbers that Rashford had. And I, I think I, I don't know what that really says about him, but I, d I don't think, for instance, that he's had a particularly good season by his own standards. Um, in the Premier League, he's got eleven goals, nine assists. Um, if you want to include the Europa League, he's got a couple of goals there. But again, the Europa League is a lower level than the Champions League, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't look too much into that. Last season, he got seventeen goals. Um, actually, last season he got 17 goals from 31 appearances, and he's got 11 goals from 37 this season. So actually, he's in terms of goal scoring, he's digressed. Now I don't know if that's down to a positional change. Um, he's got nine assists compared to seven last year, so his numbers have gone down a little bit. But 20 goal involvements, and if we're going to go off stats, then he's behind Salah and he's behind Son. So. And and I don't I don't feel like he's had the impact. Man United fans probably disagree, but from someone looking from the outside in, I've been more impressed with what Foden and Mount have done on the pitch and their highlights, even if they haven't led to goals necessarily. That's that's you know Mount probably have about fifty assists if Timo Werner could put the ball in the net. So um yeah, Rashford's out and my votes are for Mount and Foden. Um, it really depends on whether you want to go with the two guys with the numbers and then you've got Son, Kane, 
and um, and Salah, which is just in terms of numbers, those three going forward. You know, I could completely understand the. I could completely understand what the the logic is behind that and what the um what the argument is. Just or or do you want to go with the young guys who have just broken onto the scene and taken their sides? You know, Mount has 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 been Chelsea's best player and he's dragged them to the Champions League final and Champions League qualification, which I think is massive at a big team like Chelsea. Foden has come in and been one of the better players in a really, really good Man City side. But then between Kane, Salah and Son, they've got 22, 44, 61 goals yeah. this season just in the Premier League. So an average of 20. Or do you mix and match? You know, do you, do you put Salah and Foden or something like that? Yeah. What 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 do you want to go with? I think I'm going to mix and match. I think I'll have Foden in my team, and I'll probably go for Salah um, okay. over over Son. Um, so. So you so you are looking at dropping Mount from this? Yeah, and that's before anyone says, "Oh, that's because he comes from Portsmouth." No, it's nothing to do with that. <laughs> But I think well, what we can agree from that initially now is that Foden is Foden makes our team. Okay, and Son doesn't. Yeah. So are we going to put Foden as right wing or? For now. For now. So uh, answer me this then: if mm-hmm. if Son doesn't make it, but Salah does for you, what is, what is your reasoning? Because I know he's got twenty two goals versus Son seventeen. But then Son's got 10 assists for, for Salah's four. So are you basing this purely on the fact that the guy scored 22 goals and he's joint top scorer at the moment and can't leave him out? I think a bit of bit of that. And also with Liverpool being so poor, they sort of have to have a bit of a, a talisman to rely on. And I guess, I know, I know they've underperformed as a team, but he's still got goals this season. And maybe, he... the argument, maybe the argument is that you mentioned earlier, Son needs Kane, whereas Salah doesn't need anyone still else. Still managed to get those goals in a really poor Liverpool team this season. He's still managed to get them. Yeah, but he's on, he's on penalties as well. So, yeah, okay. So, so it's a straight shootout between Salah and Mason Mount. Do you want to do it on rock paper scissors? I will go with your consensus on this. Based on the fact that I just want to have a look at because I don't think the actual numbers in terms of goals and assists for Mason Mount are that good. Um, he's only got six goals, five assists in the Premier League this season. So if you're going to compare that, he's got 11 goal involvements. Salah's got 26. So I can understand on that basis. Yeah. Let's go with Salah. Although. Yeah, he needs to go on the right. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, um, we, we, we can swap them round. Although, for those who are listening to this episode and not watching it on YouTube, I've just typed in his name. And we've got a Victor Salazar from San Lorenzo de Almagro, who's a right back or a right wing back who also wants to make a late break into our team of the season. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's a little addition that we got there. So at the moment, we've got Salah and we've got Foden, and that completes our team of the season. So to run through, we've got Schmeichel in goal, a back four of Shaw, Stones, Ruben Diaz, Stuart Dallas, 
Then in the midfield, we've got Declan Rice partnering uh, Ilkay Gundogan with Bruno Fernandes behind a front three of Phil Foden, Mo Salah and Harry Kane. And Callum, we, all good teams need a good manager. And we've, uh, we've compiled a list of five. So who out of that lot? Final point of discussion before we do a quick, some quick fire, qu quick fire questions before the end of the episode. Who do you have leading that team? Uh, David Moyes. Yeah, David Moyes. He's taken the West Ham were, as you'll tell, see from, uh, well, I think they were in most people's favourites to finish at the bot the other end of the table. And yeah. uh, they've done superbly. They've done yeah, really, really well. Um, yeah, they're, they're the one that um, comes to mind every time we say, oh, let's take a look back at our predictions at the beginning of the season, which we will do in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, West Ham are the ones... For me, that I'm looking forward to uh, going back to because we couldn't have been more wrong. Just to touch on the others, too cool. The way he's going, I have got a feeling Chelsea might win the Premier League next season because I think he seems to, in a very quick space of time and no signings, seems to have got that team, got a winning formula. Um, they're solid. And if he gets a, bit, a little bit of money and, and signs a couple of decent players, I think they might be uh, my prediction, early prediction to win the Premier League next year. And I was thinking that before they even got to the Champions League final, just see that they were, they're, they're so hard to beat. Bielsa, uh, unbelievable job. Um, I hope he stays next season because I think the way he's got Leeds playing to finish in the top half guaranteed first season in the Premier League. And I don't think there'll be a Sheffield United. I don't think people will no. figure out how to play against them. I, if anything, I think they'll improve next season. Um, Pep, has won it at Canter, and if he wins the Champions League, he has a treble. Not the FA Cup, the, the Carabao Cup, but still he has a treble. Does that, The question is, does that change your mind? Because everyone goes, oh yeah, well you can do that with, with all the money in the world. I think for me, Pep has had a massive advantage this season with the COVID and the fixture pile-up, because he by far and away has the biggest and best squad to choose from, and has been able to rotate seamlessly throughout and that's why for me although he's won you know pretty much everything he can we're giving it to the guy who's probably going to finish outside the top four I mean you know let us know if you think any differently and then Rogers has won the FA Cup but Leicester could still might screw up the, the top four it might give him in the Champions League but looks like they've yeah looks like they've fucked up again so Moyes Based on the fact that a few weeks ago they looked like they're going to finish in the top four, they just seem to have fallen out. For, for you, Tom, if if they don't finish top four, if they finish fifth or sixth, and Pep wins the Champions League, do you change your mind? Um, no, no, I don't, uh, because Moyes has taken a team that were on the brink of relegation last season to pretty much to the final games of this season competing for the top four yeah, with, ve with, yeah. with very little addition he hasn't broken the bank to sign any players he's what he signed Soufal for five million Suchek for well I think it was about eight million and Lingard I can't off the top of my head think of any big summer signings Ben, ben Rama they got in in oh, January yeah. <laughs> he did good business in January as well which was mm. which was intelligent to to really boost their yeah. chances and, and keep them in the position they're in. So yeah, David Moyes. Um, don't know. If, don't know if our little uh, template is going to give us the chance to um, put in a manager, a big old picture of the 
smiling Scotsman, but either I'll way, I'll have yeah, a, I'll have a, qu- I'll have a quick look. Um, no. No. The only thing right. I could probably do is put... There we Moisey's, go. Moisey's 11. Yeah. <laughs> David Moyes. Army, army. Right. And a few quick fire questions, uh, Cam, just to just to end. Who has been your signing of the season? Um, signing of the season, because he's had the biggest impact, I think, is uh, Ruben Diaz. Yeah. Um, Suchek and Sufal and Rafinha are close in that list as well. Probably forgotten some people, but yeah, I think there's been actually some good signings. Ollie Watkins is another one. Yeah. Um, usually there aren't many on the list, but Diaz has transformed uh, Man City from last season, in my opinion. So he gets it for me. Yeah, I'd go with Diaz as well. And again, the likes of Rafinha, Martinez, good signings. Who's been your flop of the season? What are we talking here? Like a player, a manager, a, a I team would, I, signing? I, 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 I went on the basis of signing. I mean, to give you my, exa- my example, my flop of the season has been Rian Brewster signed yeah, for 27 so, million yeah. for Sheffield United, hasn't scored a goal. And what that, um, that what, Jacobson, the 17-year-old's got a more Premier Jefferson, League. Jefferson, yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. Allison has got more goals than Brewster this season. And Allison's no, I, I, I Brewster was my thought. Um, otherwise, I was looking at um, uh, Sheffield United as a whole, <laughs> yeah, or um, or Jose Mourinho and the whole saga there. Really, um, mm. I haven't thought too much otherwise about signings uh, because it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because the the, the guys who haven't played well, the ones that inevitably you probably haven't seen much of for the mm. last few months. Um, just trying to think of of anyone that's that's been really crap. I've got one on the so oh, not necessarily really really bad, but hasn't had the impact that was expected of him, and that is Thomas Party. Uh, Arsenal was brought yeah. in, was brought in a lot of. I mean, what the <laughs> Arsenal fans were. I don't know if you ever saw it, but Arsenal fans were looking at that picture, like his Instagram story and looking at the make of the car and what the weather was like and why and what side of the road he was driving on as like whether he's going to join and they're still going to finish lower mid table. Um, and he hasn't had from Arsenal fans. They've said, "Oh, like defensively, he's been really, really good." But it's passing for the, a lot of the season. He can't even string like a five-yard ball together at the moment. So I don't remember myself, but he, he I'm, he might have been my um my tip for signing up the season <laughs> at the beginning of the year. So um, I'm just looking at the Premier League table for some inspiration. Um, and inevitably at the bottom half. Oh, someone I did think of actually when you asked me that question. Brewster is my choice, but um, Thiago this season for Liverpool has, oh, yeah. I think, I think the general consensus is that he has hindered the success of the team. Uh, and we haven't quite seen, yeah, because he came in with massive expectations and um, hasn't really done anything and Liverpool have been poor. And then looking down the bottom, maybe someone like, you know, Brian Fraser at Newcastle was brought in. Callum Wilson has done a good job whilst he's been fit, but Fraser, as I don't even know where he is, so he doesn't seem to get a game. And what's a really poor Newcastle team? So, mate, yeah, a couple of a couple of names there. And uh, the final one: who's been your young player of the season? I think it's between two people, and it was probably what, the one. What age we? What age are we looking at here? Ooh. 
no older than 21, 22. You say that, I don't know how old any of them are. I'm guessing the two you're thinking of are, are Foden and Mount. I think they were for last season as well when we had this conversation. So I think I think we were looking at this being a breakthrough season for Foden and Greenwood. Um, yeah. They were the two big ones. And it's taken Greenwood a while, but he looks like he's starting to get somewhere. And maybe next season will be it for him. Phil Foden yeah. has been the young player of the season for me, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that ends our... Uh, Look into our team of the season. Please let us know if we, how right or how wrong we've got it. And just as a final reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, that is the team that we have gone for with David Moyes at the helm. Um, yeah, if you want to find us on Twitter, <laughs> if you want to find us on Twitter to um, uh, basically give us any stick about it, uh, then you can find us at under underscore saints. If you want to contact us, us personally, uh, mine is at T214Murray. I'm at Callum Wilson 21. Yeah, anyone you disagree with or anyone, well, I doubt anyone's going to contact us and go, you know what, I really agree with uh, you putting in <laughs> Phil Foden. You know, it's going to be, gonna be uh, disagreements. But um, I, I think the majority of those you cannot argue with. I think the goalkeeper, the right back, and perhaps one of the two wingers you might have a difference of opinion on. Otherwise, I think it's pretty setting setting John Stones I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty Luke sure about it if I'm honest I'm going to have to stop the recording before any of this gets even more out of hand thank you very much for for listening we'll be back over the next <laughs> couple of weeks of course next week we'll be looking at the announcement of the England squad we've got something new lined up for that and then in the next couple of weeks as well, we'll be just having our usual debrief of Southampton season and having a little chuckle as we listen back to some of the pre-season predictions we made all the way back in August. But for now, thank you very much for joining us and have a good evening. <laughs>